Hello and welcome to episode 392 of the Crate and Crowbar, a gaming podcast being recorded on the 9th of February 2022. I'm Marsh Davis and tonight I'm joined by an ancient power masquerading as a mischievous woodland sprite, Tom oh, Senior. I am a mischievous woodland sprite. I always thought that about myself. <laughs> How do you know me so well? Ancient tomes told me of your true nature. Mm-hmm. Oh. To be revealed on the 400th episode of the Crate and Crowbar. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've got that coming up. Gosh, yeah, we do. We do I'm sure something extra special will come together. I'm sure it will. Or uh, it'll be an ordinary podcast. One of the two. Yeah. Could be either. Talk about the Matrix for three and a half hours. All bombs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had to edit that. <laughs> well, you edited it down to three and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, only actually, a li- it was only a little bit longer than that. I actually haven't listened to it yet because I... I think I hate the film. Yeah, I, uh, yes. I mean, I'd say the um, the the first two and a half hours of that podcast are some uh, deep and potent insight, uh, which convinced me to like the film more. And mm. uh, then the last part, the booze takes hold, and it becomes a completely different, but also equally <laughs> enjoyable podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm going to some inches this weekend. Looking forward to catching up on that, that particular hot take fest. Mm. Talking of hot takes, I believe that you have one, perhaps, about the sequel to Dying Light. Sequel to Dying Light, Dying Light 2, Stay Human. Um, it is a first-person open-world survival game from Techland, I believe. And um, it's been in development for ages. It feels like it's been delayed like a few times as well. Um, and essentially, it's a game where you're in a zombie apocalypse and the, uh, the, a plague is spread across the land, uh, leaked by uh, a mysterious, nefarious scientific organization called the GRE. Um, and loads of those people who are still alive are, are actually infected with it. But um, UV light repels the zombification and you can use certain inhalers to hold back the illness, hence the staying human part of the tagline. Well, are you inhaling UV light? Yeah, well, it's sort of it's it's all it's color coded. You, you, immunity boosters, they're called, but they're also okay. just it's a bit. So uh, there's a lot of this game that I mean, obviously this game has taken years and years to make, but it is torn from the shittiest headlines of our time. Like you know, <laughs> in terms of like torn from the headlines plots you'd want to put together in the current moment. Uh, if you if you uh, dislike uh, the idea of living in a uh, an era of disease uh, as inhibited everyone's lives. Um, the idea of using light to correct that, as uh, one former president tried to propose in a very famous speech, it, it manages to hit all those points, surely by accident, because all of this <laughs> must have been written before that will happen, probably. Um, they will come <laughs> on to the rising. Uh, so essentially, like, it's a parkour game, basically. Uh, it's basically, think of it as, like, Mirror's Edge, but occasionally you hit 100 zombies and they explode. That is quite <laughs> essentially the fundamental appeal of this game. And on that point, it's fun. I do actually quite enjoy it. I put um, quite a lot of hours into it now. Uh, you run across districts using cracked binoculars to uh, magically detect uh, landmarks. And uh, some of them are like windmills, which supply power to the local area. And then if you capture the sort of mega landmark, um, you get to assign that area to a faction. And as is always the case in these games, uh, there are the two factions are just just ludicrously opposed, <laughs> and not uh, and not like indicative of what humans would do believably in any context. <laughs> um, so you've got the hey, let's listen to Metric and party on a da- big dance floor faction, 
um, <laughs> uh, and the or you've got the authoritarian let's all be gruff soldiers and hit people faction uh, there's no in between in human nature as we know from video games <laughs> like they're, they're, there's no spectrum or um luckily that they, they, they're both facing uh the same same threats in uh in the guise of a massive zombie problem um and also just maniacs like you know mad max type maniacs that are just believe in nothing and actually have no motivation they're essentially just a more interesting combat challenge than zombies <laughs> that's why they exist <laughs> as far as i could tell um but as you assign um there's some clever ideas in it in that when you assign a, a, an area to a faction it unlocks different traversal objects within the zone that you've tilted it towards um the let's dance to metric all night and do drugs faction um they love zip lines so uh, if you assign a zone to, the, to those guys, you get this, the, the areas populated by zip lines all over the place. Um, whereas the other guys, I think they like jump pads. So you get loads of cool jump pads, loads of fun ways to get from um, the ground level up to a third, fourth story of a building. Um, and actually just moving around the world, I found really, just generally really, really fun. Uh, you are basically superhuman for silly prop reasons. So you get to uh, jump ridiculous distances uh, it's quite forgiving with grabbing ledges which is a key part of like this whole thing working the first person platforming um and as soon as you start unlocking like wall runs and double jumps and you get start chaining that into like grappling hooks and then uh, it feels very freeform that combined with all the traversal objects that y your faction unlocks uh creates a, just something that's actually very fascinating it's really fun to unlock little safe houses um, at night and these little patches of glowing purple uv light that recharge your humanity basically and stop you from sliding on a timer into full zo zombie mode which is death basically um oh. that so is... are you all on a timer uh only at night oh okay yes and well that makes sense the day night cycle is a big part of the game as well there are certain uh so at night um the infected roam the streets because they don't like sunlight because the UV content. Um, during the day, the weak ones wander around smoking. <laughs> it's just like smoke coming off them as they burn in the sunlight. Um, that means that uh, certain areas uh, at night, the undead will cluster in and become very difficult combat challenges. So, But if you wait until the day, they sort of mill around and go out into the streets and those locations become much safer to explore so you start planning your uh, yeah. your game time around the types of challenges you want to access that are best available uh, depending on the time of day um and this is the some of the best stuff about it is that uh, there are various different types of sort of uh, objective capture challenges some of them are towers like windmills which are platforming challenges some of them are just kind of old shopping stores where where if you take them on during the day and that you get extra rewards um because it's more full of undead and therefore you get to kill special undead and that gets you trinkets and things like that uh, so uh the best version of this are that they're called um, gre facilities i think uh, and they're basically several levels deep normally about four levels deep um and each level uh, has a, a stash of stuff that actually levels you up properly um if you take it on at, at night um things is much easier um and there are other, it becomes a challenge about a stealth challenge where you sneak around 
uh, break the decks of a few zombies, grab some inhibitors, which is what levels you up, and then find your way down to the lower level, all while unlocking uh, shortcuts that let you, should you choose to return to the surface, because you're running out of time, um, you can return to that location quickly, get back down to where you were. Uh, and there's something like feels really organic about it, in that you can choose to go and shop for those things whenever you like, uh, in, wherever you are in the story. The zones that you visit are um, sort of level capped in a way, like the, if you go into a level five zone as a level one character, uh, you're not going to last very long. But it feels just soft enough. Like, it feels like uh, it's the same balance Far Cry, I think, has achieved, where there's a loose sense, it gives you a loose sense of getting more powerful while also just kind of creating just enough friction and a sense of exploration and success as you unlock each new area. And, uh, and unlock each new tower and each new cache and each new little sort of safe zone that becomes a little beacon of light at night. Um, and actually, the texture of the game in terms of just how you're spending your time feels lovely. Like it's really well paced, which is a, a really difficult thing to achieve in an open world game, where what if player just wanders around stupidly and doesn't pursue anything? <laughs> well, yeah. you, you kind of like... You, you, the game is always giving you stuff to pursue like nearby and you're always getting like little calls on the radio, little incidental uh, sort of moments. A bit like in Red Dead Redemption 2, you know how many people you run into have been bit by a snake? It's a bit like that, oh, yeah. but, but for a zombie apocalypse. Like, ah, help, ah, ah. <laughs> then you go and hit a zombie and um, it spirals away, ragdolling all the way, you know, several somersaults backwards, a brother just sprays right over the street and it's like, ah, oh, that was fun. Um... <laughs> But uh, technically, like, the big problem with the game is, like, combat is fundamentally a bit busted in terms of actual progression. You get two skill trees. There's a traversal skill tree, and there's the combat skill tree. Traversal skill tree is really fun, full of loads of exciting abilities. Uh, Let's you jump further, climb higher, wall run. Um, The combat side of the tree is just straight up bad like the start i I, you look i sort of scroll over it i'm like i don't want to do any of this which is incredible what what stuff is is not appealing so for example uh, a big mechanic is stagger and stagger is a state enemies can enter apparently at random like sometimes a zombie will walk towards you and trip and stagger (laughs) and you unlock ability ways to take advantage of stagger uh, and the main one that is first introduced as a big part of the tree is that you get to vault over and kick something behind it really hard. The, but in, in practice, there's nothing behind it, like 80% <laughs> <Right>. of the time. <laughs> hmm. um, and so you, what you do is you, you, you vault over this staggered en- enemy. It looks really cool. And you see your two big stupid feet like right in front of you like a missile. <laughs> head, heading directly into the side of a car um and it's like fundamentally like all of the abilities around stagger i'm just like why isn't there just a, a ability that when an enemy is a zombie is staggered why can't i just punch them hard enough that a shockwave happens or something you know just a, a lot of stuff that just seems you would think would be there that would be just instinctively fun and improve crowd control um because that's of of course it's a zombie apocalypse game it's all about loads about crowd Mm. control um why do you have why is the first thing the big thing that you want us to do is to stagger vault over and kick an enemy that almost that won't be there 90 percent of the time (laughs) 
uh, and it's really annoying to aim, and it flies miles, and sometimes it just flies over <laughs> stuff that might be behind the thing you're trying to hit as well. Uh, and it's just uh, it's a shame. I just resorted to basically crafting the most powerful weapon and just repeatedly hitting the attack button over and over again, um, occasionally holding it down for a stronger attack. And that's unfortunately like as much fun as I've managed to get out of the combat system. I oh, know. Yeah, it's a real shame because like the actual parkour stuff, the uh, careful scattering of objectives, the day-night cycle, um, all of that is actually I, I really enjoyed. It's really decent. Um, so, uh, yeah. Is it as much of a survival game as the last one? I seem to. I'm, I did give uh, Dying Light one a go, but I found it a little bit fussy and uh, oppressive in the whole kind of survival aspects. I heard this one is a bit gentler. Yeah, it's much gentler, especially with the is it the timer that starts when you're in the dark. Uh, I think it starts about f- five minutes, and that's actually ages. Like you, you have time to, and you, you have much easier access to objects that recover your humanity um including just glowing blue mushrooms that you'll find on rooftops <laughs> randomly but um like you can chew on those uh, feel a bit more human feel a bit less zombie and uh, and carry on with your adventures then it, you can quickly craft stuff that uh almost instantly replenishes your humanity and as you level up the time it gets longer and longer so i'm up to about like seven and a half minutes now all right so i could do most of a dungeon in the, t- in the time I have, and I've got loads of replenishment items, so it feels like I could basically stay there all night if I want to. Um, but the problem is, as soon as uh, dawn comes, all the undead come back inside, and the area gets much more difficult. So you're right. on a different timer; you're on the you're on the day night cycle timer. But it's a it's pretty elegant actually. I really like it. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're making it sound quite good, but like I've played Techlands other games, <laughs> so I just don't quite believe it. Yeah, so there is some Techland junk presence um, I found in my particular copy of the game, which I've been playing on PS5. Um, after a certain amount of time, <laughs> all of the uh, performances that you have, like people performing to in first person during cutscenes, um, the every object that is a human disappears, and every object that is not a human continues to float in midair and be just and sort of go along their gesture path um <laughs> which has created like some really dramatic moments where you know I've, I've just bonded with these uh uh a squad of troops that's been sent on this suicide mission and the guy's dying dying in my arms but all i can see is his floating talk radio <laughs> it's just kind of like <laughs> bobbling around in front of me as he's crying about his lost son or something <laughs> and then you know, your your character kind of like arms cradle this invisible man down and then do the whole like you know closing the dead eyes thing um to a completely invisible ragdoll thing <laughs> um you can restart the game to get get it back and to fix everything but i choose not to <laughs> it's, it's extremely good <laughs> it's really good i love not knowing who i'm working for at all <laughs> having no literally no face-to-face contact with the people giving me missions they're just like oh that's floating knife guy <laughs> i like him <laughs> uh, why, why have you become the arbiter between these two warring factions for no fucking reason <laughs> there's like uh there's points to the story where you have uh, you're kind of like from the outside of the city, and you're uh, you're a, a pilgrim. That's what they're called, a specialist who lives in you know, the wilds and delivers messages and packages between cities. Uh, and that makes you gives you the superhuman ability to climb towers that no one has ever climbed before. <laughs> uh, and that is key to human civilization. 
um, which is not just Techland's fault, but a lot of video games' fault. <laughs> <laughs> that like getting to the high bit lets you change the world for some reason <laughs> it's, it's just it's a universally accepted fact for open world games <laughs> go to the high bit and you get you get some uh, you both a get something and b change something um and yeah it, all of the major kind of story plot missions so far have revolved around getting to the top of the thing that no one else has been able to get to the top of before um and the thing is that the thing that breaks it is that you know, I was talking earlier about the fact you could give districts to one faction or another. Uh, you could do one of those missions, then instantly go to a story mission uh, with a faction that you've just clearly betrayed, just like absolutely just giving it to the anarchists. Uh, and the, the, the military guys will also treat you like a true hero and love you and invite you into their, their arms. And as you travel between, the, like, there's absolutely no, uh, unfortunately, like, no through line between the faction tilting you're doing in terms of like moment to moment open world stuff and the actual story the game's trying to tell um and it's it creates ridiculous moments that are just to me extremely funny but if you're looking for a, a you know an intense narrative the last of us style game <laughs> whoa boy <laughs> do you not play this one <laughs> Uh, it's is yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a game. That I, it's very difficult to solve that problem, and I'm, I prefer because I, I care less about the story. So I prefer that they've gone for this, the sort of the ability to, to flip zones as an open world ongoing thing that you could choose to pursue instead of the story, because you could still level up. You don't I, like. F- there are certain points in the story where you do big kind of, you make big decisions about which side you'll go to favor, but actually leveling up and actually improving your skills, you could just go about your own business and and raid all of the GRE caches and level up on, on those terms. Mm-hmm. So you, you really can, like you can ex- use this open world to find the f- type of fun that you want. Um, unfortunately, the type of fun is chosen with this combat system is to vault over a man and hit, hit nothing <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> or, or shove them or you know just move them sideways and stuff like that as it's just like or oh there's loads of abilities about falling and crushing things in different ways i don't understand it it's like i don't care if i (laughs) if i there's like so there's the kill them by falling on them uh attack but there's also the kill them by falling on them and that but their their head explodes attack and those separate unlocks on the combat tree i'm like (laughs) i don't particularly why why would why is that an option like what does that <laughs> what does that mean for my life in the game whether i crush this thing's head or not like it's just really strange like it's possible that once it's unlocked like maybe there there's a kind of imagined way you're supposed to approach the combat system that makes it awesome and makes you sort of make turns the parkour that you're doing on the parkour skill tree into a form of combat i just haven't found it and i've played it for like 10 hours 15 hours maybe <laughs> Uh, so I think I have a feeling it's probably just bad, actually. Um, oh. Yeah. When do you, do you get a? Uh, there's a grappling hook. Is that right? Yep, there is a grappling hook. Uh, the good thing about the grappling hook is that you grapple onto anything, and that lets you sort of gives you a sense of freedom. Bad news is that it ruins the UI because there's a permanent, constant grappling hook, um, like reticule that is just roaming the screen endlessly, telling you where you can grapple <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I uh, so like it's made the game like just objectively worse to look at for me because I <laughs> <laughs> it's the game is constantly telling me like what I'm looking at 
um, your character's arms reach out in various directions to tell you when you can safely make a jump. Excellent, very good. Uh, but I'm always distracted. It's like a fly buzzing around your head all the time. Oh, you could grapple this, you could grapple this, you could grapple this. You could grapple flipping everything. So it's just like literally just sliding around walls as you're going down corridors and stuff. It's extremely irritating. And it seems like a, a thing that uh, it's possible that I might be able to turn it off somewhere in the op- options menu. But the fact that that's, that's my enduring uh, emotional uh, impression of the graphic book. <laughs> oh dear. It's yeah. just that, you know, it's pro- perhaps not so good. War running is really good though. Um, vaulting off little ledges and even there's a, a parkour move that lets you vault off the undead <laughs> to higher ledges which is <laughs> uh, and there's one that um you can unlock to make you sprint and when you do you become like uh the incredible hulk or juggernaut from the marvel universe where you just like you send the you know like the infected just sprawling everywhere like a bowling ball going through them really really good um but then the, yeah combat side not so good That's, so mm. it's a, it's a it's a hard one to recommend, especially because February is just a ridiculous month for games. Uh, we've got Elden Ring coming. Yeah. I mean, that's the one, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yes. surely that's the one, that's the year done. <laughs> Maybe. We'll I mean, unless something is drastically changed um, about how those games are put together. Um, it's also, I'm really excited about Horizon, uh, the new Horizon Zero Dawn game what's it called something about frozen forbidden west forbidden west thank you i think yes. yeah. i think that's out next week or something yeah. um and then this is out like this week and also like we've, oh, so much just so much all of a sudden um <laughs> of, of of this deluge of of intense new stuff what have you uh, chosen to play yourself much um i've been playing uh expeditions rome oh um which is uh, apparently the third in the Expeditions turn-based tactic series, of which I was hitherto completely unaware. Yeah, <laughs> I no, don't know if you've I've heard of them. No, I've not. No, no. Um, but I've, I've been having a pretty good time with it. Uh, it's it's sort of scrappy. It's like overly complicated in parts and overly simplistic in others. And I don't even know that it manages to connect those parts together that elegantly at times. Mm. But it's also it's also doing something which is sort of different from a lot of uh, other turn-based tactics games, um, like in terms of the experience that it's trying to reach for, which is that it it sort of roots its turn-based tactics battles in a much grander strategic layer where you're also commanding and managing a, a Roman legion as it conquers various lands. Mm. And so it sort of ultimately gives you like the moment-to-moment tactical management of something like Divinity Original Sin uh, or similar, but also gives you access to like a total war style abstracted battle simulator mm-hmm. and a whiff of grand strategy in a overworld map that you can trot your legions across and you know, capture resources and stuff. And there's like interpersonal, you know, politics amongst the squad that you used in those turn-based yes. parts of the game. And Is you that- can resolve that by like chatting them up and occasionally building them nice bathhouses. Um, oh, that's how it's done. <laughs> and the, and <laughs> and there's this sort of sort of light King of Dragon Pass style text based sort of conundrums that you bump into when traveling across the overworld map as well. Oh God, it so it's this like, weird mixture of stuff. It sounds like the Banner Saga mashed into Total War? Question mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's that's not a bad bad pitch for it. I mean, it, it's strange. Like it's 
it's it's a lot of stuff and uh, the game itself is hugely long as well much longer than mm. i actually probably have time to ever complete um but each part of what i've just described is in itself sort of quite slight and digestible for for like better and, and worse like some mm. things feel like oh they've really streamlined this and this this feels quite appropriate and fits in without getting kind of too bogged down and other things just feel just slightly threadbare and not quite you know finished um in a way it feels satisfying but mm. so this is this is the setup it's 81 bc uh, rome is just emerging from a civil war uh which has been won i think by enemies of your family mm. and you are the child of a recently murdered roman senator and so rather than hang around in rome itself waiting to be fucking shanked uh you are dispatched to the relative safety of war um <laughs> <laughs> which will become known as the uh second mithridatic war uh, which mm. was waged between rome and the kingdom of pontus i looked up on wikipedia <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh which i should have remembered from at school but i did not anyway the plan is initially that you just hang around the command tent without getting your hands dirty uh but that would make for a really really bad turn-based tactics game so mm. uh events force you into combat with like pirates and then the pirates are being aided by the rebel island of lesbos and then there's the larger kingdom of pontus as well to contend with and as your role within the legion grows you start kind of uh encountering larger and larger sort of powers to contend with um but I, yeah there's not so the, uh, there's a lot i like about the combat right and there's just and there's some stuff that just doesn't hasn't come together for me yet but i, mm. I wonder if some of that stuff is just because i'm at, at, at the lower end of the power curve and you know maybe as the game progresses you get more kind of more freedom within it but so this is this is how a level you know a turn-based tactics level engagement works uh, they're usually quite large, complicated environments, uh, and these are overlaid with a hex-based navigation when combat kicks off. And, you, and at, at the beginning of combat, you get this preparation phase, which allows you to place all of your units, um, uh, not within a, a, a vast area, within a quite contained area, but at least it means you get to put your kind of you know, your folks with the, the, the shields in front of the people with the bows and arrows. So that sort of makes sense. And then um, you take turns with the AI to move all of your units. Uh, so, I mean, to be clear, when, when it's your go, you move all of your units uh, mm. in, in one go. Uh, and you can do that in any order. You can move them partially, then move another guy, then go back to the first guy, make an attack with that guy, then move them again. Um, you can even issue commands to one unit while another character is doing something else. Um, so all of that feels very freeing, um, yeah. and it's quite it's quite a different pace from a lot of turn-based tactics games. But it also places like uh, a huge complexity burden on that singular turn, mm. um, which is you know that you have a lot of decisions to make during that turn, and there's a lot of ways in which you can min max those decisions uh whereas in like something where you have uh you know individual units taking turns based on their initiative order uh like yeah. in like in divinity original sin like each turn feels a lot more manageable because the number of decisions you're making has been sort of like parceled out amongst your units um and so it feels kind of a bit more approachable but here you're just like oh it's it's everything at once you know uh so there's a there's a lot to think about um but it does it does make for a kind of more dynamic sort of looser experience than those games because there's 
there's rarely an obvious optimal action to take on was, any given go. I'm going to ask about that because it's like for me that the anxiety of those particular sort of systems is that there is a perfect way of doing this and I am nowhere on I'm not hitting it and even if I was hitting it I wouldn't know it and that there's there's a precise way I could there's a perfect way I could move every single unit and attack precisely the right moment to get the most damage out of my squad and I feel like I've not calculated it to the, to the extent required uh, and that's a kind of weird anxiety I get with some, those games sometimes I oh, know I, I think that's damn dead on yeah I, I do um I, I, but at a certain point, I feel like the the possibility space is so large that I literally couldn't ever apprehend it. Yeah. And so uh, there's a sort of like, ah, fuck it, <laughs> kind of switch that gets flipped on in my brain. Yeah. And then I don't feel the stress of it anymore because mm. I, I just I just give up hoping to completely perfectly play the game. Um, uh, it, it, uh, but to, to which end I've actually turned down the difficulty. It has a huge number of dif- difficulty sliders, which are, which um, uh, affect different parts of the game, which is really cool. Um, but I, I found that uh, maybe because I'm I just you know I uh, I'm not smart enough to 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 work out how to optimally play with all the units and all their skills and all the different ways in which they combine um i found the difficulty was all over the place right (laughs) Mm. um and you know uh, after kind of trouncing my way through uh, early missions uh i got into a combat and like within a turn nothing i could have done to stop like three of my units being absolutely destroyed um and i uh, i didn't find that was very satisfactory so i uh, i turned down the Turn down it, the difficulty. It's the kind of um, the damage and stuff. Are there randomization factors as well in the way things attack, hit, deal damage? Yeah, yes, and not so much though. So, like, um, a lot of stuff feels pretty guaranteed. Uh, mm. Like, if if you can shoot somebody with a bow and arrow, you you just always there's a hundred percent certainty that you hit, unless the uh, in, unless the circumstances are. Uh, beyond your range, uh, right. which is very, very generous. So that doesn't happen very often. Um, you can deliver glancing blows occasionally, and, but the percentage of times which, in which that happens also seems to be generous. Maybe that changes as the game goes on. You encounter enemies with better armor. I don't know. Mm. But it doesn't feel too kind of like That's reliant on RNG mm. to, to, make, to make success out of it. But I'd say like... Okay, so there's... Your units come in a bunch of different possible classes, uh, which have access to uh, three different skill trees each, um, through which you unlock your kind of hot bar actions, which are usually different kinds of an attack. Mm. And then weapons and equipment are class agnostic on top of that, and you can pick them up from anywhere. And each weapon comes with its own variety of actions. Uh, sometimes more actions than you can actually equip to your hotbar, so you have to make choices about which uh, which skills you want to kind of pluck from the weapon. And there are synergies between these classes and weapons, which are kind of cool. Um, so, the, like, the, there's this class called Veles, which is this kind of scrappy close combat fighter, sort of like sort of like a rogue class, I guess, in a trader RPG. It's it's like a uh, a gladiator plays the first uh, valet's character you have, and that feels quite fitting. And he has a bunch of skills uh, which make him able to kind of move around enemies without taking attacks of opportunity. And he builds up this focus bar, which you can then spend on other attacks instead of using 
action points. And if you pair that with like a dagger and spear combo, you get these attacks that stack bleeding damage and, and they do like multiples of damage when an enemy is flanked. Um, and like all of that stuff, like I think the way they've described these different fighters through their, the skills available, available to them is really kind of evocative. It's quite articulate and it's, mm. it feels quite clever. But it feels like they end up throwing so many skills and status effects at that fantasy um, that the game struggles to kind of cohere all of that actually while you're playing. So a lot of the stuff ends up feeling like out of sync with the sort of like cadence of the games. Like it, it, you think from what I've just described that you'll be able to make use of these synergies, but often like some of the synergies will rely on you having uh, to make multiple attacks on the same character whilst they have this status effect. But then the status effect expires after a turn. You only get one attack per turn. And if you hit them twice, they're dead. So you get, gain this effect, but you have nothing to apply it to. Yeah. These sort of things, it just feels like... I'm trying to work. This is the kind of stuff that excites me about tactics games is building and stacking these sort of synergies. And every time I, like, I feel like I'm planning towards something, I don't quite manage it and the, the opportunity sort of evaporates. Uh, and that happens so much. Like I feel like it's not just me being stupid, although that probably is like 90% of it. It sounds delicious though. Like It's the sort of game I could imagine sort of thinking about when coffee breaks would be like, oh, like if I had a certain type of equipment on a certain class and I had a couple of those and then also they moved alongside this other guy who could inflict bleeding damage, I could feel, I could sort of sense that there's a lot of kind of possible, like a possibility, mm. uh, uh, ability to express yourself through like the way you want to actually pursue the combat scenarios. But in execution, perhaps it's too opportunistic if it's those those effects are so time limited then like how can you guarantee that the enemy will move into a position to even allow allow the synergies to happen yeah i think that's exactly it i mean i i've, I've experienced exactly what you say where i've been thinking about this game later and thought oh actually you know what i could do this and this and this and i think there's like there's a really, I think as the game gets along, I, I will be able to carve out some kind of mechanical niche within it, which mm. makes it feel kind of synergistic, exciting, and just discard like 80% yeah. of the game. And that feels like I'm playing the game wrong in a way, but also uh, it, I think that's the only way that you're going to get this stuff. Because if you, if, you if you go for the whole full spread of what the game offers, you're just never going to be able to find those opportunities, I think. Like there's... Uh, there's one of your units can stick a spear through somebody's ankle and it gives them this stuck status effect. Mm. And obviously you want to hit that unit with another attack, which like does a multiple of damage to stuck targets. Mm. But you, it's almost impossible to engineer those circumstances, I found, at least in the early game. Because often the character who can exploit that status is the one who's dealt it. And they've, they've just <laughs> right. used up their single attack to deal it. So they don't get to hit him again. And because of either like RNG or by design, the weapons that my other characters have at the beginning of the game that are at the disposal just exploit different status effects. And there is just a bewildering number of incredibly similar status effects. It's like your your zombie being, you know, whether you drop on his head or you drop on his head and his head explodes, like it makes no difference. Like <laughs> there's, there is stuck 
there's harried, there's crippled, there's knocked down, there's stunned, there's sundered, there's bleeding, there's weakened, there's exposed, <laughs> marked, challenged, and assessed, all of which are effects which will increase <laughs> the damage done. Assessed, yeah, because you've, you've you like assessed them, you looked them up and down, you've worked out what their weakness is, I guess okay, is right, what right, that right, implies. But <laughs> Great. But, but like... You know, you just don't need that many. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's just impossible to remember even which no, guy has a sword. War is hell, and hell <laughs> must be described with many different adjectives <laughs> yeah. and verbs. Uh, yeah, yes. That's incredible, though. Was well, one of them har- like harassed? Did you say uh, harried? Harried. How do you harry someone in war? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, it, but there's also panicked as well. But I don't know that. I don't think harried. panicked. <laughs> Harried is the one of those two which has, like, uh, if you hit them while they're harried, they take extra damage. Whereas I think if you hit somebody while they're panicked, they don't necessarily take extra damage. Uh, right. But they are in some other way, uh, I, I don't know. Um, harried is like they've been pecked at by a bird. And then someone, <laughs> someone hits them, follows up with a mace, and that does like so much more damage. Interesting. It sounds, like, like, oh, it sounds yeah. intense. Hmm. The, 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 there, are, there are 59 positive status effects and 40 negative Eight ones, nine. according to the wiki. <gasps> and, and that doesn't even include uh, individual parts of your body being wounded. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I appreciate How the many games did they make? <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. It's, just, it's just impossible to hold it on your head. Maybe over time I will. But like I say, I think what I've just got to do is I've just got to pick like a subset that I know how to work with and just use that i think like th- there is a pleasure to just orchestrating your team in union and mm. combining and stacking those various abilities in complementary ways but i think just like a slightly simpler maybe not as simple as rock paper scissors you know but you know something more approachable uh actually outweighs the maximalist let's simulate everything approach i'm, I'm used to like pin and flank stuff those are the two words <laughs> that i understand <laughs> Yeah, you, I mean, you do get flanking bonuses. I'm sure you sure. do. I'd expect that from a turn-based strategy game. This sounds, this sounds wild. I've got to try it. There's, yeah, I, th- I think I do recommend it. There's there's some other weird stuff in there as well, which I can't, can't quite get my head around. Like some, I found that one of my units uh, just run out of the ability to attack. Like all of his attack <laughs> skills happen to be charge-based. And he only had like three. Oh, no. And then it was like, swords are not, they're not, you don't need ammunition for swords. Famously, they don't, <laughs> you don't need to charge them. But he was just like, oh, can't do anything here. <laughs> but, Marge, there are so many games where you charge swords. There are so, <laughs> so many games where you hold, hold them back. Oh, no, no, sorry. I don't mean you charge up the sword. I mean, the sword ah. has three charges. It has three times you can use that skill. Ah, then it's done. And then you can't hit with the sword again. No, the sword, the, sword s- is, the sword is tired now. <laughs> exactly. You can switch. You can. Each character has an alternative uh, weapon loadout, uh, which weirdly requires you to have entirely different weapons from the weapon loadout you normally use. So, I mean, you can't use the same shield, even if you want both weapon loadouts to have a shield. You have to have mm. two shields. Doesn't make much sense. But, um, but anyway, I guess you could switch to um, uh, just bare knuckle. Uh, fighting and and then you would have basic attacks again but yeah i was i was kind of confused as to that costs a turn to switch weapons uh, as well in the game so it's it's not something to do lightly mm. uh, yeah i but i do um i have been finding it fun I, I, as i get along like uh there are little niches i'm gonna I, I can find within that combat system which feel quite satisfying 
do the does the kind of narrative stuff like tie back into the combat system at all, or is it just kind of like a separate strata of the game? It's supposed to. Mm. I, it promises that it does. I haven't seen it have any effect. So um, certainly the combat ties back into um, the narrative. That way around definitely happens to a small amount. Uh, in in that you you uh, there's been a mission where um, you could choose to be sneaky or do a full frontal assault, and uh, characters in your party have different opinions on this. And if you choose one or the other, uh, one of the characters thinks less of you and, and is a bit shitty about it. Um, I don't know what the long term implications of that are, hmm. um, and I don't think it's ever it affects what they do in combat like i don't th maybe there is a morale stat as you might imagine there's a stat for fucking everything so Hell there's yeah. obviously a morale stat maybe that affects morale in some way in the in the larger game that does make a difference because <laughs> uh, so you also have these legion camps that you can visit and you can recruit centurions to lead the abstracted total war style battles right and they have they have similar tributes uh, as the praetorians who are the the, the turn-based squad uh, and each of these uh, characters will have a disposition towards you, um, which uh, will affect their success in these abstracted turn-based battles. Uh, they may be like, if, if they're disgruntled, there may be a higher insubordination. And uh, what's it called when uh, soldiers leave um, and just fuck off and don't come back? Uh, dessert. <laughs> dessert, that's it. Yeah, more, more soldiers might desert if, if your commander is disgruntled. So... Um, I guess I guess that's the sort of way in which the mechanics tie into some sort of loose narrative. Mm. Are they just kind of like a resource farming exercise, a bit like you know how you send assassins off in certain Assassin's Creed games, and they go off and they complete their thing and come back. And yes and no. So you can do that. I mean, you, you use your legion definitely to acquire uh, resources on the map, but you also um, th need to periodically defeat large armies as part of the narrative, and uh, that involves like laying siege to Mytilene, Um and you have to pick a centurion who's you know got a uh, who's who's got a particular talent for the kind of battle that's coming up. Uh, you mm. get some kind of clues as to how that works, and then you get this two um, D battlefield view in which you see these icons representing different units moving back and forth. And the battle goes through a number of different phases and each phase like prompts random events to occur, which, you know, like a little card pop-up appears saying such and such and such and such has happened. What strategy would you like to use to, to, uh, to react to this? Right. Mm. And you can earn sort of like more possible reactions by building a particular tent in your base um, <laughs> I don't know that I find that level of detail uh, terribly kind of re rewarding. Uh, like I'll, I'll probably just auto resolve most of these battles yeah. uh, if I can get away with it. But I do like the fact that there is some sort of abstraction of being a big military dude as part of the role play that's going on. But apparently, this is all going to get ripped out anyway, because uh, the uh, the devs put out a dev diary saying um, this part of the game didn't go down too well. Uh, so they're completely revising it. They still don't want to build like a full war game inside their tactical RPG, which I think is sort of fair. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sounds, yeah. Sounds but they sensible. are trying to trying to make it feel less arbitrary. Um, hmm. I don't know if what they've suggested sounds better though. Uh, they 
I, I can't even be bothered to explain it. It won't mean anything. But <laughs> like, I think it's really cool that the devs are, are looking to essentially overhaul mm. this part of this sort of almost unasked for part of the game. <laughs> uh, it's a design challenge I don't envy because it's building something to be as rich and rewarding as possible within something that is scoped not to take the focus of the game, which is an incredibly hard task. Um, yeah. Do you feel like it's all pointing towards one coherent fantasy at the end of it like do you do you feel like a, a legion commander yeah yeah i do and i think that even though those those, those parts of the game like the, the camp management stuff isn't stuff i'm particularly excited by and i find it a bit of a chore <laughs> mm. like if it wasn't there i would feel like it had sold the idea of being uh you know a, a part of a legion less i think it would wouldn't be successful which is mm. odd uh, that i actually want the parts of the game that i don't like but would you would you like to hear the sad coda to this? Oh, to, yeah, another but, sad coda. Yeah. Um, so, I feel like Expeditions is sort of at the cusp of being a, like a really great tactics game. Like, do you remember Shadow Tactics by Me Me Me? Oh yeah, really good. And uh, that was just before they released like the much more kind of like perfectly realized Desperados Three. I feel like we're at the same tipping point with Expeditions mm. where. You know, it's just like finding its feet in this weird, interesting hybrid niche that it's found. Yeah. I feel like the developers just needed one more go at the thing to kind of distill that really well. But apparently they're not going to get the chance. Oh, no. Uh, because uh, Logic Artists, the developers uh, behind the game, are dissolving the studio and they're going to be reborn as Dynasty Studios, which will exclusively focus on NFT games. Just, That's the right noise, Tom. You just inflicted the <laughs> NFT status on me. <laughs> now I die. <laughs> that is, of all the sentences I expected you to say, it's the saddest, isn't it? It's actually really quite sad. I hope they all make loads of money and are happy, but that's really disappointing. Yeah, they're going to be. NFT. Stuck in a vision of player-driven on-chain economic strategies to further enhance AAA gameplay, Tom. This. Please make the game about the Romans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're making an MMO survival game, apparently. Which okay. is uh, Yeah, they'll, they'll definitely make that. <laughs> and sell the hats. It'll definitely uh, be completed. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> six- uh, so goodbye forever to uh, <laughs> those developers, I guess, which is, which is a shame. Hopefully, that that the ideas and the skills that have brought them to bear on the series so far will find home in other places, perhaps. Or yeah, it's it's not clear. Yeah. I mean, THQ Nordic published it. Maybe they own the the license to Expeditions, and perhaps they mm. can attract some some of the developers back from from that from the new studio to to work on further Expeditions games or not. I don't know, but uh, it's it does seem a shame that like it's at the cusp of doing something really interesting and. Uh, Perhaps that will never be realised oh, in this no. uh, within this franchise. That's even it's worse than the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> even worse. What have you been playing other than uh, Dying Light, Tom? So uh, for not much time so far, because it's only just come out, I've been playing Sifu from Slow Clap Games, who created Absolver, which was um, a really ambitious attempt to create a like an online martial arts game. Uh, based uh, based around like a skill based system where you customize your move set and uh, ideally roll with pals to complete 
I had kill bosses. I think I've quite vague memories of it. It was quite difficult, and also the uh, the system whereby you select your you select your own move set from loads of different options, um, as seen famously in God Hand, uh, has like it's just very difficult to get hold of. Um, what Sifu is instead is a third person martial arts game. Um, that I think the combat system I've seen it I've seen it compared to God Hand, but um, it's actually functionally far closer to the Batman Arkham games um, in that uh, you are basically a Kung Fu master on a quest for revenge uh, against the person who killed your master. Um, And you do this by going into places and punching loads of those people really, really fast. And the animations are fantastic in the sense of like just pummeling guys really quickly and just kicking the miles backwards into a pillar and then uh, opening up like a finishing maneuver. Really, really good, tight, t- delicious combat. Really, really nicely focused and well put together. Really nice systems for moving enemies around the battlefield. If you're in trouble and you're surrounded, you can perhaps kick someone sideways and then vault over an object to get some distance between you and the enemies. And and sort of like it, it Ooh, sort of yeah. feels really, really, really nice. Um, looks great as well, and is essentially I'm just I'm loving the combat so far. Uh, it's very much a kind of uh, so you can block, but you're rewarded most for uh, precise blocking. So pressing the button right before an attack hits you is kind of negates the damage they do to you, but also gives you kind of counter momentum uh, where you can push forward with your fast attacks. And uh, as you kind of kick more goons, uh, you unlock XP to unlock more ways of kicking more goons, which is uh, <laughs> gaming's best reward loop. Um, and the one that Dying Light Two somehow fails to <laughs> fail to do, even though it had a really big kick in it. Um, <laughs> but Sifu is like uh, it's just a, a so far the epitome me of, of such a focused game that wants to achieve a very precise fantasy, which is the martial arts the kung fu revenge movie, but in a way where you are actually authoring the action um, using skill and precision, and it's not just sort of. there are kind of big finishing moves with like big kind of like combos and stuff when you actually finish people off, but it feels like you've achieved those using the skills that you've built up playing so far. Uh, And that ties into the progression system, which frankly, I still don't understand. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So whenever you um, uh, uh, die, uh, you age and then resurrect in the same combat encounter as an older person. Um, The older you get, the more damage you do, but the less health you have. Um, and <laughs> in between resurrections, you get the chance to unlock combat moves, sometimes temporarily for the course of that run, and sometimes for completely unknown reasons I cannot figure out, permanently, forever, for all the runs that you do. Oh. Um, and sometimes you find uh, these little idols that you can use to choose a health boost or a stamina boost or something. Um, which are also temporary, and unless they're not, sometimes I think it depends. I cannot, I cannot figure it out at all. Um, so, hang on. So, is the whole game just like a single roguelike experience where you are? I think you have to play these sequence of levels in that sequence from beginning to end to successfully complete the game. So, I think it's slightly more complicated than that. In that, as you play through the levels and complete them more efficiently, um, when you beat the boss of the area it almost serves as like uh, it freezes your progress at the age at which you killed the boss (laughs) and doing so i think unlocks 
shortcuts and stuff through the levels and, and ways to more quickly complete the level. And I think from what I gather so far, uh, the it, the aim is to basically hone your shortcuts and your uh, skills with the combat system and your unlocked abilities into a boss rush that achieves revenge. I think. Right. But you still have to take out for. all of the bosses in the game. I believe so in one run. I right, believe okay. so. I don't know. I wish the game would tell me. The game must <laughs> not tell me. I, I, I intentionally um, uh, didn't. I was, you know, diligently would look look up how it works before doing this podcast. But I think it's important to note that that, that has been so poorly communicated. And <laughs> um, on the death screen, you also you have this uh, string of coins, and like they they disappear each time you pass a decade of age. I think, and the decade. Uh, step takes you into the next step of like higher damage higher damage lower health um and when you get to 70 then you die i think <laughs> yep there are definitely no more ages older than that there's it's extraordinarily confusing and poorly communicated in the game and i don't understand it at all yeah but the combat system is good enough to keep me coming back to find out what the hell is going on with it and I think it's one I can report back on because I can't assess the roguelike aspect of it at all. <laughs> well, it, you're not alone. I <laughs> um, I read two reviews of this game, trying mm. to work out whether I should drop $40 on it, uh, sight unseen. And uh, I didn't understand the progression mechanism from either of those two reviews' explanation of it. So <laughs> I think uh, I think it's still a bit bewildering to perhaps even people who've completed, completed and reviewed the game. So Yeah, that's... So is it... If... I don't think it's like it needs to be that clever. <laughs> I think the, the idea of like aging and that corresponding to stat changes is really interesting. Your character mm. model changes as well whenever you age. So you, you, you can sort of, I reached the uh, final boss of the first area at age 70 because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but the idea of this kind of wizened martial arts expert where you can, can only take two hits, but when when he hits you, God, you're, you're done. Like that's pure. pure Kung Fu movie stuff that's really mm. like well well integrated into the mechanics of the combat system, um, and the uh, again just the, the animation work and the sense of impact you get and the responsiveness in dodging and instant blocking and counter attacking, it's all super on point. Um, and that is just a, that's a rare thing to ex- experience at that level. I think like to, to that degree of quality. Uh, whereas like Batman in the Arkham games intentionally feels very heavy uh though obviously eventually develops the ability to fly literally uh, 10 meters across the battlefield to hit a goon <laughs> um the action in this is is uh like really really like well observed and you'd never do anything like particularly impossible you do stuff that is just just looks like uh, uh, it's, it's watching watching a martial arts master at work except you're authoring it and that is just a, always a cool fantasy um and i'm yeah i look forward to playing more i don't think i'll ever understand the aging thing <laughs> uh, is it going to make me bite my controller in two <clears throat> will it pass the will <laughs> march eaters controller <laughs> test <laughs> i don't think so the, uh, i keep changing my mind about that so i think that there are moments of great frustration in uh, certain attacks on downed enemies for me just don't consistently happen. 
Um, the trouble is, it stands out so much because the rest of the combat system is so precise and requires so much precision that when one ability doesn't trigger when you think it should, it really sticks out and like really mm. becomes particularly irritating. Especially if you're above the age of fifty and can't get punched <laughs> more than once, uh, like your ability to stamp on a goon's head uh, when you press circle when you've downed them using a complicated sweep move, uh, like needs to be a kind of guaranteed win. Uh, in that you've achieved the context, but there's like one or two little moments where I've expected to push someone into a wall, and sometimes if you do if you do a kind of push attack into a wall, it gives you an instant finish on them, just because they're so staggered and disoriented, you can just uh, pre- press two. Uh, but to the controller to do your finisher on them yeah. um and that stuff is like it doesn't happen uh as often as i expect it to i, I like none of these things are ever perfect i don't expect it to happen uh like 100 percent of the time but it's been enough to be noticeably annoying um i found so far but to be honest like it's stuff that i imagine they'll tune it because they've been doing like the, the absolver combat system isn't too far off this and i feel like they've been working on this sort of combat system for so long and there's clearly so much experience and talent gone into it that uh like i'll, I'll definitely buy their next game for example based on that alone um because i know it's going to have cool fighting in it and lots of games try to do cool fighting like dying light 2 and uh slip up don't quite hit the fantasy i feel like sifu's honed in on that one fantasy and nailed it pretty well so far is it unapproachably hard um for 40 quid it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is the thing i mean i i don't want to put i would love a demo for this because i don't want to right. uh, put a lot of money down and just find that it's, it's beyond my my abilities as an aging decrepit weary <laughs> man um, yeah I, I often like um sometimes watch streams for games um from like uh, streamers who just have played the game loads and are amazing at the game that doesn't tell me anything about whether I like the game because uh, yeah. I want to see the decrepit, <laughs> the decrepit version of me <laughs> on YouTube playing it, trying to get right. to grips with the combat system. Uh, you, you never get that. You never get the true experience where you see someone mess up repeatedly and just get stomped in the head until you're seventy years old and you just die automatically. <laughs> Where's that on Twitch? Yeah. Come on, streamers. <laughs> we need absolute fools to play <laughs> Yeah, please. Give me, give me your f- most foolish attempts at getting good at games. That's a whole unexplored <laughs> niche. And then, like, and see, but actually seeing, like, messing up a game or seeing someone mess up a game, I think it's, like, really will tell me loads about whether I would like it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually, like, what eventually pushed me back to Dark Souls was seeing people who, who just, like, oh, you could just get this big claymore and do this and you'll be fine. Um, and, uh, in Bloodborne, like, uh, I'll oh, just get L- Ludwig's Holy Blade and you could swing it around and it's, it's yeah. still difficult, but it's, you know, this is how, how to sort of like get through it. Yeah. Honestly, I think that was what, um, what rank made me rank Sekiro slightly lower than the other Souls games is mm. that there's, there's really no there's way no around some of those, uh, those difficulty spikes. You just there's have no to be good. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. There's no way to know until you've dropped that <laughs> dropped quite a lot of money on the thing right. would think, you like, say uh, this game doesn't see through fools gladly <laughs> you killed me again <laughs> we so, can do with the nft status effect and then I, came I've in for that been, came been, in for the killing blow i've been harried uh, send help <laughs> talking of souls games i also played a bit of the uh, bloodborne psx demake are you aware of this oh I've, uh, yeah i think i've seen like I think I've seen clips of it. Is it, what is it like? Well, 
It's out. I mean, it is uh, a, a masterwork by some very enterprising and, and brilliant uh, developer to take um, you know Bloodborne and and remake it fairly um, uh, authentically with a lot of the features that Bloodborne actually has, mm. uh, but squeezed down to 135 megabytes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mm. uh, but then uh, it looks great, and there's th- apparently there's loads of other kind of stuff to it. It's not really just a, um, a recreation or a you know um, a demake as they're called. It's, it's almost a love letter to Bloodborne. There's lots of extra stuff and in there. Uh, but then I was playing it, and uh, I found it was just absolutely fucking horrible to play. <laughs> really, um, because it, I mean it's designed for um, a, a control pad which doesn't have or use analog uh, sticks. Oh right. Um, and you know, oh, right. it turns out that navigating on on the D pad is is horrible. It's it's been intentionally made for for a horrible controller, uh, and uh, I, I found as I just like, hmm, I just I just can't hack it. Actually, I, I'd I'd rather just play Bloodborne again since. Uh, so easy oh. to forget. Like so apparently the um, I, I didn't play the original Demon Souls on on PS three, yeah. and um, apparently that had eight directional movement for dodging oh, really? and stuff. Um, I saw that one of, that's one of the things the remakes just straight up changed and made analog because it was unacceptable. <laughs> it's obviously unacceptable to players now. You just expect that stuff. Um, I've, I've, I've used a lot of um, the PS5 strange analog triggers, and I found them to be like quite a fascinating way to interact with games. Sort of add like a literal feeling of weight because the uh, the triggers as you pull them they adjust based on often based on the weapon that you're. Uh, holding, like how heavy it feels to bring to bear, how much it kicks literally your finger <laughs> as you pull the trigger. <laughs> it's quite a strange. It's, it's always like too literal to imagine it working. But in some games, like it's starting to get really, really impressive. Like in Sifu, um, you could feel the rainfall through a really subtle rumble in the controller. And I, I didn't notice it even happening until I'd played it for like an hour. I was like, whoa, that's why this feels like, why you know, what this feels so atmospheric it's like this tiny little uh thing in my hands is gently indicating that i'm being impacted by water <laughs> like oh my god that sounds amazing it, it is kind of I, I was endlessly impressed by it. i've played loads of the um uh, like the uncharted remaster and the last of us 2 on ps5 as well and mm. i don't think they take full advantage of it but the additional kind of like the analog nature can rumble be analog the kind of variance of rumble like rhythm and precision and types of pulse it can give out like really does genuinely give you a sense of being in the uh in a place like just those moments where you actually you sort of forget you're holding a controller um and actually you're just kind of like desperately in a zombie fight uh that's that that with a good combat system in the, the last of us instead of a not so good combat system in uh, <laughs> a certain other zombie game which, uh, which is still very good. I like it. I like it. Should uh, I love Bloodborne? Should I play this thing? Uh, I mean, there's no harm in it. I mean, I also don't understand how it hasn't been uh, taken down. Right, yeah. Obviously, it's a massive trademark infringement. But um, uh, yeah, yeah, why not? Have a go. I mean, it's only 135 megabytes. It's not going to It's not gonna hurt to, to seek it out and download it. Yeah. And they could have... Why didn't they just... They could have easily gotten around. It's almost like they're trying to get taken down. Surely, like, why not call it like <laughs> Born of Blood? 
DX5 or something. Like, yeah, you could just I, don't know, but, I mean, they, they straight up use PlayStation logos and stuff. <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> The, the sound files are from the, it's retextured re and repolyed, but the sound files, as far as I can tell, are all from uh, Bloodborne itself. So, wow, um, it's, cool! It's audacious. They're going to turn all of this, all of the cease and desist notices into NFTs, and that's how they, <laughs> the secret money making strategy. I'll be richer than I'll ever be. <laughs> Should we call it there? That sounds good to me. I thought I was, that feels satisfied and harried, but satisfied mostly. <laughs> That's all of the podcasts that we have time for this evening. If you'd like to tweet us, you can do so at Crate and Crowbar. All these recordings are uploaded as videos to YouTube, where you can find other nonsense by us. The address for that is youtube.com slash Crate and Crowbar. Thanks, as always, to our backers on Patreon. You can back us too, if you like, at patreon.com slash Crate and Crowbar, or you can simply join our lovely Discord community, the link for which is on our website, crateandcrowbar.com. That's it. I've been Marsh Davis. I've been Tom Senior. And... Thanks for listening, everybody.